0: The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder but no matter what the struggle no matter the challenge you can overcome anything and become successful max and his guests share experience strength hope and faith if it's ptsd or military related trauma physical verbal sexual addiction alcoholism you can accomplish your dreams and with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness. And this is Max Naist.
1: All right, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. You know who this is. This is Max with the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, a veteran who's going to share his story, J.H. Parker. What I like to do, John, is... Um, have you introduced yourself to my audience? Who you are, what it is you do exactly, and then we're gonna get rolling.
2: Okay. Well, it's good to be here. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to talking to you. Uh, I've uh, I've got a I've got a background in uh, dealing with substance abuse personally, and also in helping a lot of others in their in their journey. And, um, and, uh, first of all, I'm a writer and I'm an author of two books. I wrote my first book and recorded my first audio book for veterans. Actually, it's called Transitioning Veterans, How We Get in Our Own Way and What to Do About It. And it's an audio book about the critical mind. And I have, I do, I have a dual narration where I, I play the voice of the rational, reasonable mind, and I have another veteran playing the voice of the critical mind that's always hijacking us and taking those moments away where we're not really present, but we're trying to manage ourselves. and And it's a whole. It's about an hour and tw- twenty minutes long. It's very straightforward. You deal with veterans who do not want to ask for help, do not want anybody to know they're getting help. So I wrote it and recorded it so veterans could listen to this uh possibility of kind of thinking through some things and figuring some things out in the privacy of their own mind without anybody knowing they're listening to it so that came out in 2018 and i'm here to talk about my book coming out on 323 of 23 which the title is called be the dawn in the darkness and the subtitle is the relentless pursuit of becoming who we are meant to be and um it's really a transformational development book. That's disguised as a narrative memoir. Like I don't teach or preach how to live your life. I don't tell you the seven steps to tell it towards anything. I just share like the relentless pursuit of, of struggling and, uh, becoming who we are meant to be. And, uh, it's about life experiences and dealing with trauma, substance abuse, and, uh, finding meaning and purpose. So that's a, a big part of what I, what I do professionally. I'm a behavioral assessment analyst. And, um, I was in the personal, professional, and transformational development industry working for authors for about 13 years. And, you know, I, I, I work with companies and organizations around conflict resolution, about team development, leadership development, culture development. But I learned everything I needed to know when I was in the military. Um, you know, about what great teams are all about, what bad teams are all about. And, um, you know, so I guess a little bit about my military background, my dad was uh, was a Korean War Marine Corps combat vet. And then he went to Vietnam and got shot down with his pilot and had to evade getting captured. So he was really traumatized from two conflicts and just a hopeless alcoholic and really violent. And so I grew up, you know, uh, it was like a science project, you know, looking at the different healing stages of welts and scars, you know. And uh, I went through just uh, a, a terrible childhood, as my whole family did, with childhood trauma. You know, on the ACEs score, the adverse childhood experiences score, I'm a 10 out of 10 uh, because that was inside the house. And when I went out, went out outside the house in Southwest Phoenix there were nothing but gangs and predators like literally waiting for me to go to the store when well, my mom told me to go to the store several times a week and they would signal each other that the rabbit was loose and and it was it was just constant uh i never even thought i was being bullied until i don't know 10 years ago i, I it was so far beyond bullying i didn't i thought it was a joke you know people talk about bullying and uh, and then i went in the marine corps you know, partially to please my dad, you know, and, um, I got a lot of trouble in the Marine Corps because of my rage. Um, I went in the Marine Corps cause I was just tired of being messed with, you know, and, right. um, and then you, you drink a bunch of liquid courage and my rage would come out. And so I got a lot of article 15s. That's it's a form of punishment, you know, that is, um, you know, you get you get three, and you're supposed to get kicked out. I had a lot more than that, and fortunately, I was able to make it through and get a a, a general under honorable, you know, discharge. Um, fast forward, you know, um, my brother uh, eventually, you know, he his drug drug dealing days and his uh, drug abuse days caught up with him when he got killed on his motorcycle. It was totally totally wiped out on coke and alcohol and weed he was out motorcycle riding in the desert with his drug dealing buddies and shot up on the freeway and went right into the front of a truck you know at 70 miles an hour wow. so you know like happened to identify him you know and then um and then my son went in the long story short i had a son he went in the army did two tours in afghanistan um he was a he wasn't an alcoholic but he definitely had a binging substance abuse challenge and then uh, i mean he made it home from two tours in afghanistan and got killed on his harley um doing 120 miles an hour down an unlit road at midnight outside of fort drum new york you know so it's been a it's been a catastrophic journey you know the first part of my life and um Unfortunately, I was exposed to some magical helpers when I was a little child at five years old. And I had a magical helper in the, in the form of a great aunt who was a phenomenally well-balanced person who told me I was going to create something extraordinary of my life. And I believed her because she said it. And so throughout all these things going on on my trajectory, she was my voice of reason and um so long story short she told me to bump she said she said pay attention to the people you meet because they're messengers and are most likely the ones who are here to teach you the most so if you get a flat tire pay attention you're probably supposed to meet somebody and uh, and that's the way it's worked my whole life as bad as it has been I've, i've i've met all these magical helpers along my journey that have helped me become who i am and uh and and i'll just say from one 5 minute conversation in okinawa japan with in the marine corps just before i got out this guy told me that you know the world didn't need another hard ass marine who could parachute out of helicopters and carry big heavy packs you know and shoot really well because people don't care about that you know and he said if i were you instead of sitting here thinking that you're perfect you know you're going to go out and be successful in the world i go to the closest bookstore I go to the self-help section and i buy anything that jumps off the shelf at me and i would start reading about who i'm becoming so that was my introduction to personal development because i was not going to go seek counseling this wasn't going to happen and so um, long story short i get into the personal development field i've been in it for 35 years and um you know that uh, life is really good i found joy at 53 um you know and now I'm, i get the right books about transformation and about recovery and finding meaning and purpose so how's that for an intro
1: <laughs> i love it john i knew this was gonna go well because you and i are close in age right and i did this we have similar stories but i was navy right so I want to go back a little bit right like how did as a child right you're you're growing up you've got a brother who's dealing drugs you got a severe severely alcoholic dad who is basically using you as target practice like like i'm sure some of the my audience want to go like how did he get through that how and then you say right as soon as you step out the door these guys know you're coming and like they're they're signaling each other like there's a lot of people that wouldn't have got through that very well, if you know what I mean. So, like you've already had this in you to be persistent, to persevere, right? But how did you get through those times? How as I like to say, how did you get through those challenges earlier early on so that you could survive? And then, like you said, eventually learn those lessons that would come back to you from those times. How did that work for you?
2: Well, oh, that's a really great. You're just teeing me up perfectly, man, because Yeah, wow. At the very beginning of my book, I I talk about the fact that my great aunt Gladys, she was a war correspondent during the Nazi invasion of France and Paris. She was the only Canadian war correspondent. And she was reporting on a lot of a lot of action, a lot of crazy stuff. And uh long story short, she evacuated with the Parisians and all the surrounding countries. The Germans, they flooded the roads with refugees to block the maneuvering of French forces, so they could just walk right into Paris without pretty much firing a shot. And uh, so she wrote a book about that evacuation and her life, and uh, she uh, there was a Canadian History Channel uh, production about her life, a documentary, and then she was awarded the French Foreign Legion Medal of Honor uh, by the French government for her participation. So she was a, she's like a hero to our whole family. She used to come stay with us for two months a year, um, to get out of the Canadian winter. She was, a, she worked at the French embassy in Canada. So we had this really sophisticated, intelligent, and like brilliant woman who purposely came to live with us for two months a year to shield us from my father. She could have stayed with my grandparents four hours away down in Nogales, but she chose to come stay because my dad was a saint around her. You know, but every time she came down to see us every year, he would pin the three of us kids in the, against the wall and poke us in the chest and say, "We don't talk about what happens here. You don't say anything to Gladys about what happens here. Do you read me? You will pay." You know, so you get these little terrified kids. Yeah. But then here is this wonderful contrast. Who, she really kind of t- just turned my head. But she was sending me pictures of like Michelangelo and the Statue of David and Gulliver's travel and the Trojan horse. And I could, before I could read, I was looking at these pictures. And she put a little note next to this picture um, about the Statue of David, which basically said you must chip away all that is not you. Like David found this piece of block, this, the, the piece of stone that other sculptors had given up on because that had a fatal flaw, but he saw David in the flaw and all he did was chip away everything that wasn't David. So this is, this is answering your question in that she, she said, you must <laughs> look at the cracks and the faults and you have to chip away all that is not you. So that's one message. She said, you've already got cor- courage at the core of your being. And then she went through these exercises to bring out times that I was courageous. I had some experience, and she was able to help me understand how to tap into that. And then she said something that I couldn't figure out for 50 years. She told me about how all religions, if you take out the extreme aspects, are distilled down into one common thread, and that thread is God is love. And she she said, Don't, this will help you get along with anybody of any faith if you just know that everybody fundamentally believes that. So I believe that too. And then she said, do you believe that God is love? And my dad was sitting in the kitchen like 10 feet away, and I couldn't say anything. And um, so she saw I was nervous, and she took me for a walk in the park, and she sat me down. She said, what's going on? I said, I'm not allowed to talk about it. What do you mean? You're not allowed to talk about it. Long story short, she pulls it out of me. I said, well, if God is love, then why is this happening to me? Like it may be true for you, but it's not true for me. And so she said, someday, you're going to be an adult a lot longer than you're a kid. And you're going to have kids of your own. And, um, and you're going to find your purpose in life. And, uh, So those are some of the principles that she was provisioning me for the hero's journey ahead and i didn't i didn't even know what the hero's journey was but i sure figured that out later when i was older she educated me on it so that's the kind of the beginning when you have one person of healthy character that tells you you're going to do something extraordinary with your life you believe them because they said it that's what got me through the most difficult of times because every time I was about to get my ass kicked by six or seven guys, and it happened a lot broken fingers, cracked ribs like just I would always ask if God is love, why the fuck is this happening to me right
1: <laughs> I, you know I, <laughs> I, I'm laughing with you because I know exactly what you're talking about, right and it sounds like your great aunt was like your first mentor personal development coach right who saw something in you right because growing up like i get what you're saying right like i i didn't have a my dad was in round. so i didn't i didn't have a father right so i always looked um for that but never really had it growing up right so i i know that feeling of just going okay right because i remember when my addiction took me to that level right where i went from the white picket fence married with children to the streets, right? And all of a sudden, I'm thrown into this environment where all I've seen was what I saw on TV, right? Like, and all those things I swore I'd never do, you know, oh, I'll never do that. I swear I'll never do that. And then all of a sudden, I catch myself, damn, I'm doing that, right? (laughs) Holy moly. Um, And, excuse me. um, So, you know, I, I, I remember, like cuz you're bringing back memories for me and I just right I didn't have that till later in life. I had that one coach, that one mentor that said you're going to do great things, right? And until that point, I didn't believe it, right? Cuz I was told like you like other things like oh, you'll never graduate high school. You're you're not going to amount to anything, right? That's why I went to the navy, right? Cuz my mom said you're not doing anything, so you're either going to be gone from here or here's your choices right and then you I, I start going okay I gotta do something different but it didn't and I didn't end up doing anything different till later on like and and when you're telling me this I'm thinking to myself okay uh, and it was a friend of mine well there's a couple one still alive but another coach and mentor of mine who I had known for 10 years passed away of COVID back in 2021 in March and it was right after I had started this podcast but you know, and it was one of those kicks in the butts, right? Cuz he I I I opened my mouth, of course, you know, I said something like, "Yeah, I'm going to start a podcast." And little and I forgot that. He's one of those guys that would go, "Oh, you're going to do that? So now I'm going to be your accountability partner whether you like it or not, right? And I'm going to push you to do it." And every time we would meet, it would be another excuse. Okay. And then one day, it was right before he passed away, he's like, "Hey, Max, how's that podcast going?" And here I came again with an excuse, right? Oh, I'm I'm learning how to edit, right? Well, this gentleman rarely cussed, but that day he was like, fucking Max, fucking ju- just do it. P- perfect doesn't mean done, right? And from when you shared that story, that's what brought that back for me. It was like all those times I was trying to do something, but really had no direction, right? And I found this guy. Now I, I'm like, he was my, your great aunt to you. I realized he was that for me, right? He was always directing me and going, this is what you got to do. But I didn't have that belief in myself. So what sparked that belief, right? I know she did, but like, what was that fire lit where you knew that what she was telling you came to fruition and you're like, I know what my purpose is and I know what I want to do now. Like, and I'm not going to quit till I get there.
2: Well, that's a, that's a, it's an interesting question because I think there's been stages of awareness. Like, like I started smoking weed when I was 11, 12 years old because I was so um, terrified all the time that when I smoked weed, I would immediately check out, right? And I would be somewhere else. But the other side of that coin was I'd become extremely paranoid. So I was either <laughs> in terror or paranoid and right but the thing is I knew how to sever my consciousness and I knew how to time travel my mind out of my current situation and then I found alcohol I was a little older and so I didn't realize I was abusing substances I was escaping and then I'd have these coherent moments where you know I the only reason why I got in the the military is because I didn't have any felonies all of my buddies did and so I just look at this like like somebody has been watching over me kind of thing, you know, to kind of put me where I need to be. And, um, you know, I think it really took me until I was 53, where I guess I would describe my life is like there's an old saying that when you're, if you're in Africa on the plains and you wake up in the morning, whether you're the hunted or you're the hunter, you better be running. Yeah. that was my life and that was my life i was constant anxiety I a massive depression you know i was just uh just just trying to project and learn how to be in the world and got on the got on the marine corps i had a very limited vocabulary a very very limited compartmentalized set of emotions and um i learned in the military that there's something far beyond rage it's called retribution you know and that's when you're you not you're not afraid, you just want to, you know, you just want to go off. And um, so I just had a lot to a lot to try to tame in my in my life. And uh, personal development was my path to keep me focused. You know, um, ironically, I got into the personal development field, and I worked for Tony Robbins for a couple of years, I worked for a bunch of best selling authors for about 13 years. And I was able to wear suits and walk and talk and model Tony and other thought leaders so I could learn how to painfully speak in public and do, <laughs> do all that. So I was really just, uh, I had a serious imposter syndrome, like who in the hell am I to be doing this? And so I just kept stretching and stretching and, um, and, and things got easier, but I wasn't happy. I didn't have any joy. You know, and then I went on a Native American vision quest in the the Canadian Rockies with the 73 year old Cree woman, like four days, four nights with no food, no water, no talking, no journaling, no reading. You just sit there with yourself, you know, in a teepee for four days all by yourself or or out in the wilderness, really. Right. And um that revealed some things and then I got into the plant to plant medicines. And um and that's when I, that's when I really unlocked, I transcended my trauma and transcended all the things that I was holding on to. Um, long story. It's a long answer, but it's been, it's been a real, that's why I called the book the relentless pursuit of becoming who I'm meant to be. And I'm just, uh, I tell people all the time, I'm not, I'm not here to teach anybody because teachers fall from the pedestals you put them on. You know, right. I'm in it every day. I'm triggered and every day I have to struggle and but I struggle less and life has gotten a lot easier I love
1: that because it's almost like my journey of recovery right I always believe you know and people got all kinds of thoughts on it right and I believe it's a journey that I do for the rest of my life but it's one I love doing right because it's like that onion analogy right you peel back a layer, you discover, you you uncover, you discover. And then if you don't like it, you throw it away and you start all over. Right. Um, right. And that's what personal development is all about. Right. It's not, you don't, I, I believe you don't arrive, right. Like all of a sudden, ah, oh, I've completed every personal development. You know, I, um. from what I'm hearing from you is that it's a constant journey, right. Of discovery and, and peeling back layers and, and, finding what works for you and what doesn't, right? Um, And that's a challenge in itself, right? Because we have good days and bad days. And I'm sure there's days, uh, you know, John, where you're like, oh man, I'm like, I'm on the mountain, I feel great. And then one day you could just wake up because your mind's already running on overtime before you even wake up and you're like down in the valley going, how the fuck did I get here? You know what I mean? Like, this is not supposed to be what's going on. So those challenges, right, as you have discovered who you are and on this journey of your relentless journey, how's that going? Like, give them a little more detail, like, because some people, they don't realize that. Well, I like to say it's trusting that process and trusting that journey, right? Because that's where I learn the most, right? Even in those struggles where, where I don't quit on myself, right? And I have the right people around me that you know, are either kicking me in the butt saying, keep going or don't go that way. Cause you know, here, here's my experience, right. And you get to pick and choose, but how's that going for you? Right. Cause you and I are older gentlemen now and right. I feel like I'm learning more now in my fifties than I ever have.
2: I would say surround yourself with the right people. Um, What changed my life by being in the personal development field is I got to work with Jim who was Tony Robbins first mentor. Yes, And not Jim Rohn, the sports guy, the Jim Rohn, the philosopher. He's a wonderful guy. Look him up. You know, he's got lots of material out there. I listened to his, he had a program called Success Strategies back when they were cassettes. You believe that? It's like next to an eight track. It's pretty old, you know. And so I listened to his audiobook recording album, probably six tapes, about 75 times, 80 times. Like I was driving on the country working for Tony Robbins and I was listening to Jim Rohn and you only need a couple of really good principles to focus on when you're in the shit and you got to think about things. And the first thing he said, I literally pulled over when I heard this and I wrote it down. He said, you must carefully examine the credentials of those who wish to enter the place in your mind where your thoughts are formed up until that point nobody had any credentials I was hanging out with the toughest guys for protection okay and I was running with the wrong crowd and getting in lots and lots of trouble and uh never bothering to see you know there's an old saying are the 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 most unrewarding game isn't follow the leader, or the people that you're following going where you want to go these are principles that I put into my head that really started looking helped me look at who am I hanging out with and then the second thing that Jim Rohn really taught me I give him full credit is the three types of association this changed the trajectory of my life which was the first association is disassociation if people are toxic for you you got to get rid of them okay and I I just decided to stop calling people and if they came after me and wanted to know why I wasn't calling back I literally had to sit them down saying you're not heading where I need to go. If you want to change your mind, maybe we'll keep talking, but I got to go. And I just shut it down. And the second type of type of association is limited association. What if they're family members? You got to see them at Christmas. Well, then be clear with them. I need you to understand that I'll see you at Christmas and the holidays, but I got to limit my, limit my association. It's toxic. It's not healthy for me. And if you want to get better and you want to talk about this, I want you to do that. But if not, I got to go. And I let go of a lot of hanger honors that were just parasites, you know, Um, and then expanded association was the third and best one, which is look at the people that have the qualities that you want to acquire and take them to lunch and tell them what you see in them. Almost 10 out of 10 times, they'll at least give you, they'll become a friend or they'll think highly of you but a good majority will actually start talking to you and they will start helping you when you ask you just got to be transparent and clear about it so right. the three kinds of three types of association i mean when you when i when i got in trouble it was usually because of the people i was hanging out with or the stinking thinking in my head
1: yeah absolutely that's how i live today uh john is like if you are not going in the direction i want to go Right. I mean, I don't want to be a taker, but I mean, I want to grow as a human being, then I got to cut you out. And uh, and I learned that in my early recovery, you know, from my sponsor and mentors that said, look, you can't go back to the old neighborhood because you know, as they say, if you go to the hang out in the barbershop long enough, you're gonna get a haircut. I did that four times when that happened. And um, you know, I was hanging around the wrong dogs and getting fleas again, and you know, and and today it's it's about choosing like you, right? The people, well, how? this is how it was put to me. If you want what we have, you got to do what we do. Or you got to find the people. If you want what they have, you got to do what they do. And, you know, and I, right. And it's about, you know, and if it's about bettering yourself, you're always going to want to find the people that are ahead of you, right? So, and, and see what they're doing and how they're doing it right? Like yourself, like, okay, I'm going to go hang out with John, because I want to see what he's doing, because he's going where I want to go. And, you know, it wouldn't be like somebody I don't know, or, you know, you don't know what they're doing. And then you find out later, you're trying to hang out with them. And they're not even into personal development or trying to grow as a human being. And then, you know, because there's a lot I believe that you can't take back time, right? You can't get a do over. So it's about choosing um, for the betterment, of myself because there's a lot more involved of it, in it than just me, right? It's being a better husband, a better father, a better grandfather. Cause we just had grandbaby number 10, uh, you know, right before Christmas. And so it's, wow. you know, it's about leaving a legacy and 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 it's not always about the money, and it's about, hey, grandpa was a good guy, right? Because he had integrity, right? He said he meant what he said, and he said what he meant. Right. So as you're doing this, right, because you've sounds like you've gotten to hang around a really a bunch of really good guys, right? That not only walk the walk and talk the walk, uh, walk the walk and talk the talk, but when you were doing that, right, and it's like I always like to say pick what you what you can use and leave the rest, right? And Jim Rome is one of the all-time greatest, right? He has some really good stuff that he shared with the world. And um, so when you broke off uh, and to do your own, I mean, I know you probably still have mentors and, and stuff you you look up to and you work with, but how do I put this? Like, I wanna say, how is that feeling? You know what I mean? Like when you knew you were on the right path.
2: Um, well, it, it's uh, something you said that triggers something for me. The, the, the most powerful mantra for me is progress, not perfection because nobody can beat me up better than I can, right? Progress, not perfection. You know, that was a big, big, big realization for me that I've I've screwed a lot of things up in my life and I'm embarrassed to say that that's what happened, you know, and uh, but I own it. And the second thing is take new snapshots of yourself and others regularly as often as you need to, to keep reaffirming that you are learning, you are growing, you are evolving. And take those new snapshots like if i met the people that i work with today if i if i if i still held them held them small with a a limited snapshot of who who they were when we met and i and i didn't take into consideration how they've learned and grown and matured i'd be holding them small and the relationship wouldn't last okay and so and then i do the same thing with myself so these are some 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 principles and to kind of round it out with glad My Aunt Gladys, you know, chipping away all that is not me. I've watched some huge chunks fall away, and now I'm working on the fine fine groups and just the the qualities, you know. And what I learned after all these years was the reason why I, I, I do believe God is love, and the reason why I went through all my suffering is to learn, is to be given the gift of empathy. I can understand the pain of others so easily sometimes i just need to shut up and listen and just be present i don't need to fix anybody i just need to be present and allow them to do their work and what happened for me is it shifted from like fatherly parental energy like i have with my son to grandfather energy like you're literally a grandfather okay i got five grandkids so It's grandfather, grandfather energy. I don't need to rush in and rescue anybody. I don't need to worry about them all the time. I need to hold a space for them. I need to be kind. I need to be generous. I need to be empathetic. You know, I I need to give them some grace. I need to be patient and then tell them the truth. You know, when they need to hear it, I'll give it to them. Right. And so this is grandfather energy. And that's how, like, I see you being in the world and, you know, you're counseling people. We're shepherding them through. Some of their worst times you know and these principles progress not perfection three types of association you know who you hanging around with progress not perfection taking new snapshots it's just a small number of like principles that give you a grip to hold on to when you can take one more step but it, it is an inside job i mean it's just it's a corny way, to, it's a corny thing to say but you know you you people have more tools than they'll give themselves credit for Like you just, you just like personal development. Go to the bookstore, go online, find something that jumps off the shelf at you and start listening or reading who you're becoming. Go to an experiential training program. You know, um, there's so many counselors that I've met that are in your field that are like they're living a life and they're in the work because they just don't want to go to meetings. They want to be in the work so they can see and be immersed in the train wrecks of people's lives so they can remind themselves you know i'm doing this for purpose it gives you meaning and purpose and it keeps you sober it keeps you out of trouble what do you think about that
1: you know what absolutely correct 100 percent. and i'll say why right because when you're saying that progress not perfection so when i first got sober right i was going to the meetings and it was all about how good i could sound how good i could look at a meeting and like i was really doing the work right but like you said at the end of the day i have to look me in the mirror right and i was all you know and then when i went through i believe i went through those four relapses for a reason right because it wasn't because god was mad at me because when I first got sober, I had this whole conversation with my sponsor. and I said, well, if this God loved me so much, why would he uh, put me in jail, right? And and luckily, my sponsor, who I call my Yoda, right, was really calm. And he goes, hey, man, maybe he was trying to save your life. Matter of fact, let's do this exercise. And we would start with one. He goes, okay, your first time arrested, what were you going to go do? I want you to write from the time right before you got arrested what would have happened if you didn't so over these arrests that I went through like I found there was some serious I could have seriously got hurt myself or somebody else right and he would say see God did love you you might have not liked where he put you but he kept you safe and um so what what that brings up for me is that progress not perfection so after that last time it became more of I'm doing this Right. Little did I know, so I could be interviewing guys like John today, right, and and gathering information on how I can become the best human being possible, right? Not only for myself, but for right because well, you know the principles of program like the twelve steps, right, is one alcoholic helping another or one addict helping another, and um and that's a big reason I've stayed sober for over nineteen years. Is when all said is done, right? Is At the end of the day, God put me in this position to be of service, right? Not only in the job that I do, but if I see someone on the streets, because here was one thing that I got to thank my sponsor for, and I will till the day I die. After my last relapse, he said, Max, you don't get to pick and choose who you help now. If it shows up, you help that person, right? And that's where I got to learn, like you said, empathy. And I think that helps me as a counselor because it doesn't matter if I'm 19 years away from that last drink or drug, and I'm talking to someone who's sitting in detox, I can tell them how they feel because I've been there. And they can then look at me and go, wow, this guy knows how I feel. I haven't even said a word yet. And maybe there's something to what he's, you know, and in the beginning, I was hardcore. Like, if you don't do the 12 steps, you're going to die and you're not going to stay sober, right? But I've learned over the years, everybody finds their own path to recovery. And now I realize that God has put me in a position to be that guy to just guide them to one, be accountability partner, uh, to love on them when they can't love on themselves. And to be that ear, like you said, because like you said, it's just like, sometimes Max, you just got to shut up and listen. They're trying to tell you something. And I go, okay, I just need to be, I just need to be here and be still and let them talk. So yeah, thank you. That's my thought on it. It took me a while to get there, but like I said today, the gifts keep showing up. Like I said, this to me to to interview you, John, and and hear your story and how you've gotten where you came from to where you're at today. That lets me know that I'm on the right path, right? That God is putting these people like yourself in my life that I get to talk to and go, wow, man, this is an amazing human being. Uh, and this is not about me, right? This is a I love what you're you're talking about, right? Because empathy, I think, right? Because there's a difference we know between sympathy and empathy. And some people don't like our sympathy, right? <laughs> they don't want it. Um, and, and especially, like you said, you're an ex-Marine. And I know a lot of Marines, right? That are the same way. Like, I can do this. I don't need your help, right? But when I can stop and, and be quiet enough and to listen to what they're saying, then they crack open that little bit of vulnerability. Okay, maybe I'll let Max help because he understands. So that's that's what I took away from what you were telling me.
2: You're you're hitting on so much. We could talk forever, man. I I just I did like talking to you. I get where you're at, man. Um, but you're. It looks like we're almost out of time. How how are we doing on time? Oh, we're good. We're good. We'll go okay. for. I just want to tell you a couple of things, man. Yeah, you're on the. You're on the right track, man. And I I really get I get where you're coming from. And, you know, what I think may be a little controversial in that um, most of the people I deal with are veterans that are struggling with alcoholism and addiction. And I've, I've lost a ton of buddies that didn't even know they killed themselves with fentanyl. You know, they just happened to go to another different dealer and they bought some Coke. And next thing you know, their mom's calling me. You know, I've lost a, t- a ton of f- Ton of friends over the years, man. You know, um, but you know, what I, I what I struggle with is, uh, you know, soldiers, military people, we, we, it's difficult to think of the concept of surrendering and I'm, a, I, I cannot control this and I'm going to surrender to a higher power. And, um, we're just not trained to do that you know and it's it, it's just uh deep down we can we can we can go to the meetings or go to jail and we can live the principles and there's some truth to it and eventually people do come around saying you know this is out of my control I I have no control there is a higher power whatever you call it right you know um but I'm I'm really interested in creating um meaning and purpose recovery solutions Where people are focusing like when i work with with veterans i'm actually writing a program right now with a clinician um, tom horvat who actually wrote a book sex drugs gambling and chocolate he is the co-founder of smart recovery you know worldwide and they work with the principles of you know you're not powerless okay it's a whole different approach and it's an alternative to aa that does really really well i know there's some factions that are really controversial because they talk about harm reduction and gradualism right like for me i found out that i wasn't an alcoholic or an addict that you know i have a serious binge binging problem when i really go for it and i'm pretty good at it you know i got it down and now my life is totally manageable and i look at choices as slippery slopes it's not just one drink you know it's not just one whatever the self-medicating behavior it is right and the more I, I matured through my substance abuse challenges to where I no longer look at myself in that way at all um I I, I I I exercise extreme moderation most everybody I work with in recovery are is just abstinence you they just they cannot even smell alcohol Right. And so it's complete abstinence, but there's also a spectrum where we've got to be realistic. Like I can have a glass of wine or a couple of glasses of wine here and there. And and I, and I, and I just, I'm happy. I'm fine. I don't need to drink anymore. And I'm just, I don't, I don't drink hard alcohol. Certainly don't drink hard alcohol, alcohol and wine. That's a recipe for disaster. So I'm just saying that there is, there's, there's different approaches, but the the work that i'm doing with tom horvath is we're actually writing a a program called the heroes recovery and it's about identity mission meaning and purpose like for military we get you had an identity when you're in the navy you had a mission every day with the sign you had a meaning and purpose and in the marine corps it's like protecting the people right next to you unit corps god country the unit first then the marine corps then your god then your country so You can tap into that galvanizing way of being because most people, when they get out, they're not told during the transition assistant program, you need to reinvent yourself or you're going to have an absolute terrible, terrible time with your transition. Right. There's a guy, um, Hoffer, Eric Hoffer, he had a quote that said, "Uh, In times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned, Find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. That's, That's it. You you are you are you're you're, you're, you're t- perfectly trained to deal with military environment that no longer exists. But what do we do? People try to give us advice. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. I'll be just fine. You know, I'm a marine. I'll be successful anywhere. I set my mind. To it, and we got to run into that brick wall and just run into it. <laughs> and uh, right. That's such so a what true do, statement. So basically, I'm I'm all about like what was your most powerful time in the military? Was it when you got your ego globe at anchor? Was it when you got your jump wings, your SEAL training, whatever? And you take them back to these moments where they had this galvanized sense of self. Somehow you've lost your way and you've lost that. So it's it's a it's a it's an amazing experience to have somebody re Focus on that sense of self, and then help them redefine their life around identity, mission, meaning, and purpose. Right, and it's uh, it's a powerful experience.
1: Well, see, and and that's the same principle or the way I work in recovery now. Right, is like if I can't give this this person a new sense of identity, meaning, or purpose, this whole recovery process is not going to mean shit to them. Because like you, whether I'm working yeah. with with an ex-convict all right because the same thing for them they don't they get 200 hundred dollar gate money and say hey good luck right like us who leave the military i didn't get no training to get back into the world it was like okay you hurt your ankle you you discharged honorably. we're done with you bye right here <laughs> and and i'm like you like if i can work with i don't care see and i don't See, and that's what I do with my clients, right? I I find out where they want to go, how I can help them reinvent themselves so that they can find purpose. Because I realized in my substance abuse counseling, right? A lot of it's the same thing, get them to meetings, right? Which I have nothing against. I'm a 12-stepper, right? But I don't go to a meeting every day. I go to a meeting once a week. It keeps me connected to that community. But I'm like you, like, you know part of my personal development is my recovery part of my personal development is reading those books on how i can become a better person and the one thing i i instilled in myself right um is when i got my degree right like at 48 i realized i go you don't just do this after you get out of high school go straight into college and i, I kind of like that learning as i was going you know what i mean kept my brain fresh and um but I love what you said, right? Because that's like, I want to work with vets. Uh, A friend of mine actually who um, started this um, nonprofit was to help vets find resources and stuff. But unfortunately, my friend young as he was passed away, you know, this past year. And, you know, I, I know they're, they're keeping it going, but I haven't talked to, but I'm all about, I mean, you don't have to be just a vet, of course, but like veterans, you know, those who have served our country, people that really want to make a difference. Like, I want to be that conduit for them, like helping them grow, right? And whether they're struggling with substance abuse or addiction on whatever, because like you said, nowadays, you don't even know, like when you hear these stories where the the cartels are watering their weed their marijuana with fentanyl laced water you know what i mean like these kids don't know my my wife works at the high school she had two kids that were thought they were buying some pills and they were one died of an overdose and one was in the hospital for a while right because it was laced with fentanyl but um so it's for me it's it's an an extreme honor for me to meet guys like yourself john that are on that mission to help you know our military veterans Reacclimate into the world because, like you said, they're taught a whole different lifestyle. And then they're said, it's time for you to go, right? See you later. We're not going to, we'll help you a little. Well, they'll call it like retransitioning, but, but anyway, like you and I said, we could go for probably all the rest of the evening and just talking about this stuff. But, um, we are now kind of running out of time. So I want to ask you some questions, like, I wrote a book as you can see right i called it fearless happiness and i put a why the happiness we'll get to that one but the first one we're going to start with is fearless what does fearless mean to you and how does that show up now in your life today
2: wow wow what does fearless look like and how does it show up in my life today um I, i've been scared to death of doing this right here matter of fact your name max was my grandfather's name. I wrote this book under his name as a pen name, so I didn't have to feel like I was writing about myself. His name was <laughs> Maxwell it. Arnold. He went by Max. And so, uh, what does fearless look like? It's 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 like sucking it up, man. You've got to, you got it. This is about legacy for 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 what am I here to do in the world. Like, I know some principles and some things that have gotten me through the shit. I mean, really bad things. And I routinely have helped people throughout my life, pick them up, dust them off, put them in the right direction, reprovision, provision their thinking. And I've been doing this for, man, 30 some odd years. And uh, I just love watching people get it. And I can't give that up. So when I feel fear and I got to step up and I, and I just got to get out of my own way. You know, my if I've gone through the imposter syndrome, I look. If you knew who I was, you would never talk to me. Kind of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was true for a long time, you know. And um and now I sit in, in boardrooms with CEOs, and I talk to really, you know. I, I don't know. I just talk to people from everywhere, all every walk of life, and I and I don't I don't show up as nervous. I don't show up. I I show up as very calm and very. Centered, and I listen. So I, I guess I've been able to transcend most of my fear, you know, uh and channel it. Like channel channel it to the tip of the spear. Like that's what I was really good at in the Marine Corps is my rage. I could I could focus it, you know. So maybe that's what I'm talking about. I take my fear and I focus it on like like in the fire. I just burn it up and I just do it anyway.
1: Awesome! I love it. Um, happiness. Right as you see, I replace the I with a Y. What is happiness? <laughs> what is happiness?
2: I can call me literal that are like, what's <laughs> this guy so about? Spell it right.
1: I get that all the time, but no, I ever put the Y there. What does happiness mean to you, and how does that show
2: up in your life? Man, um, I experienced joy for the first time when I was fifty-three. Okay. And so I can remember that moment. And um, I guess what I can tell you is uh, I I write about this a lot. No matter what you've been through, no matter how traumatic or even heartbreaking, that sooner or later, you're going to come to the realization that you deserve to live a fulfilling life. And if you believe that long enough, you're going to come to the second realization, which is that you deserve to be happy. You know, and for. I, I i'm i'm hearing a lot of people aren't if they could take my place they would take it in a heartbeat you know and uh i, I mean i kind of owe it to some people that i was super close with to do something with my life and it's scary you know i have i still have moments but i know how to bounce back like that like i don't spend time being triggered anymore um and i'll tell you that just briefly that our life happens between our triggers. Like I used to get triggered and they would be full-blown episodes. And then hours or days later, I'm like, what the hell happened? Oh yeah, I got triggered because of that idiot cut me off, or whatever it was. Right. So I developed a way to self-regulate, and it's in my audio book that I, I wrote the whole thing about this. Is that you know, how do you how do you learn to self-regulate till you can recognize you're triggered quicker? Where you collapse the t- collapse a time frame between your triggered to where you recognize it down to nanoseconds to where those triggered events become little blips and then you start getting triggered less and less and less and this is where your life happens between your triggers so these i feel fear i I look at happiness man i'm looking at happiness because i'm doing my work and it's progress not perfection and you know i get to i get to do really great things with my life whereas before i just I probably wasn't supposed to live this long. (laughs) Right.
1: Oh, thank you so much for that, John. Man, like, this has been one amazing episode, one amazing interview, and I've learned so much from you today. So, thank you so much um, for that. So, if people want to work with you or find your books or whatever, um, how do they
2: find you, John? Well, right now, you can go to harvestingwisdom.com. That's my website i bought that url when the first when the internet first started i don't even know how many years ago and i knew it was going to be something someday harvestingwisdom.com and uh, i'm going to be giving away the first 7 chapters of my audiobook book. Um, and for the first 7 chapters of the written book in a pdf form that should be up on my website in the next couple of days and um you can also go to transitioning veterans book dot com um, where there's a couple of cool little explainer videos about this work and um, it'll be on amazon i really don't do a lot of consulting very much right now i'm semi-retired i don't do a lot of consulting i don't run around the country anymore i write books and i and i i do with i do my best to convey real practical information about transformation and how to live a better life regardless of what you've been through regardless of how many people told you you wouldn't amount to anything, I am the guy that people would have said would never, ever be successful. Like whoever met me in my teens and 20s, I was I was way out of control, man. So it's, it's possible. You just got to learn your way through. Right.
1: Thank you for that. That's awesome. Um, well, you're not off the hook just quite yet, right? So what I like to do before I end the podcast is what is one piece of advice john that you would give my audience that would help them become a better human being that one piece of advice you would give to them
2: i'll I'll, a i'll tell you the same thing that that warrant officer told me in okinawa japan start focusing on who you're becoming right if you don't have a goal make your first goal finding a goal and if all that means is going on the internet have really any bookstores anymore but if you're near a bookstore go to the self-help section not the psychology section (laughs) and look (laughs) spines on the bookshelf and start making a stack of all the ones that jump off the shelf the first one i saw was the magic of thinking big by schwartz i'm like damn that sounds like a great book so i picked that one up the second one was psycho cybernetics i thought that was a funny title and then I read it, I cracked it open. It was a this guy, Maxwell Maltz, who was a plastic surgeon who made people beautiful, but they couldn't see it. So he wrote a book about it called Psycho-Cybernetics. And here I am in this impeccable Marine uniform, but I'm all kinds of fucked up inside. Like I knew <laughs> how to create an external like, right. impression, right? But the internal, it's called internal cohesion. The, the The projection I gave out did not match the internal representations inside of me. Right? And when that gets clean, it, it's easier. And the third book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I thought that one just sounded cool. right? And like, <laughs> Of course I want to think. So find something that lights your brain on fire to personal development and get some counseling if you need and go find some mentors and get rid of the toxic people in your life and limit the association with people that you have to be with but still are toxic for you. So those are like quick and easy. Like this is how to change its trajectory of your life.
1: I love it. Thank you for that, John. You hear that, everybody? That's some great advice, right? First and foremost, get rid of the toxic people because they're going to bring you down. As much as you try, if you hang around, that's what's going to happen. But thank you, sir, for for being here today. It's, we could have kept going definitely for hours. Um, I appreciate you hey everybody if 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 John made you think, if he made you smile, if he made you go hmm, please leave a review so people can find this leave a five star review over on iTunes, iTunes excuse me, I can't speak today and uh I'll hopefully bring bring John back again when his book comes out because I know I'll be getting your book um again, thank you for being here, John and until next time we'll see you guys later. Have a great evening, good morning, or good afternoon, everybody.
0: You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around. And now Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at maxnaist.com, on Facebook at max.naist. Till next time, keep the fight, and we'll see you soon.